0: Am I still in the shot? Okay. Uh, good morning. My name is Joe Brown. I'm the pastor of discipleship around here. Um, and I get the privilege of reading and expounding upon uh, the scripture this morning. Uh, today's reading comes from 3rd John. Um, As you know, well, you may or may not know, but I'll tell you, 3 John is 14 or 15 verses long, and if you want to know why I can't say definitively, talk to me afterwards, Um, and uh, it's really short, so there's no chapters, it's just one chapter, so 3 John's really short. I'm going to be talking about 3 John verses 3 through 4 this morning, but I'm going to read. Third John 1 through4 right now. So this is the Word of God, and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Third John 1 through4. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you were walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Lord God, this is your word. May we hear it. May your spirit move in our hearts to convict, to encourage, to comfort, and to draw us to repentance and faith through your scriptures. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Um, this morning, my sermon's sort of on three, three points. I mean, I, I, I'm just going to do it. So it's three points. So uh, AJ, go ahead and put my notes up there. So here are the three points of the sermon. Rejoice in a testimony of the gospel. Find, a rest, find and rest in the truth of the gospel. And thirdly, walk in accordance with the gospel. Um, in my family, we love... The Marvel Cinematic Universe Have you guys ever heard of it? Uh, if you know pop culture, you know since 2008 they've been putting out movies, uh, Iron Man Thor, uh, Captain America, all those things, and sort of culminates in uh, the first uh, you know big phase four ended a few years ago with endgame. I actually pulled my kids out of school so we could go see it on opening day.) Um, And I have no guilt about that. (laughs) Got to have priorities, guys. Got to have priorities. Uh, So just recently, they started a new show called Loki. I will give no spoilers. I I will give no spoilers. But the new show called Loki is about Loki, who is a bad guy. Okay? He is a bad guy. He's the main villain of the first Avengers movie. He's the main villain to Thor. He's Thor's brother, and he's the main villain, god of mischief, Loki. It's about Loki. It's about him being a bad guy. In the first episode of Loki, it'll be a six-episode show. I will give no spoilers. Don't worry. But in the first episode, Loki is given a testimony of his life someone presents to him a testimony of his life. He is given, he sees his life before him. And Loki then responds to that. And I won't say any more than that. And I think the show, we don't really know, but I think the show will be his response to the testimony of his life as it was presented to him in the first episode. If someone was to present to you the testimony of your life, what would that reveal? If you're paying attention, that should make you really uncomfortable, right? Um, Gaius has a testimony, and we read in these verses that John rejoiced greatly when he heard the testimony of Gaius. Now, these brothers that John refers to uh, are probably missionaries, evangelists, someone that, that, that the Apostle John sends to Gaius and the town and the church that he's ministering in. And we'll read in a few verses, in a few weeks we'll get to it, um, that these brothers come back to John and they give a testimony about Gaius, which John rejoices greatly over. And they also give a testimony about a guy named Diotrephes, which he does not rejoice over, and we'll get to that in a few weeks. But Gaius has a testimony. He testifies to the truth, and it testifies to him walking in the truth. This truth that Gaius has, that he walks in, that he testifies to in his life, has transformed Gaius. It's not just... What he believes, but it's how he lives his life. It's his temperament. It's uh, the joy that he has, the, the conduct of his life. You know, when uh, you read about why people leave the church, the number one reason all the time, and whatever survey you take, uh, if I just did a survey right now, if I just went outside of West End Prez and just surveyed people who are walking down the street and I said, either why did you leave the church or why do you not come to church, I guarantee you they would say because of the people in the church. That's what they all say. They say because of the people. They say because we're, it's filled with hypocrites. Uh, brothers and sisters, I, I'm a hypocrite. Absolutely. I am a hypocrite. I say I believe some things, but then when you look at my life really... If you were living with me, my family members are not allowed to speak, but if, they were, if you were living with me, you would say, but do you really believe that truth? Do you really believe it? We are hypocrites. We are. What is your testimony? What are you known for? Um, and so my second point here is about the truth, finding and resting in the truth of the gospel. So what is this truth? First, what this truth is not. This is a quote from uh, a woman named Heidi Johnston. She wrote a blog post a few months ago that was really encouraging. And the the blog post is, four things I want my daughters to know. Four things I want my daughters to know. And she wrote this, and it's just a, a couple paragraphs, and I think this is great. Our teens are growing up in a world that's constantly telling them that truth, if it exists at all, will be found inside themselves. They're told that having the courage to follow your feelings and live out your own story is the way to find happiness. The problem with this is that it's based on a lie. As a result, this search for identity and truth is one of the critical issues Facing our teens. If truth is found by looking inward, we're left with a host of problems. First, it'll change with every shift in mood or circumstance. And if you know anything about teenage girls, you know shifting of mood happens every minute. Like a boat without an anchor, we'll be tossed and swept away by every gust of wind or wave we encounter. Second, truth that's limited by what we can see and understand will be small. And in a few minutes, I'm going to talk about that. To be the author of our own story might sound appealing, but the stories we scribble for ourselves will inevitably turn out smaller than we hoped. Not only that, but they also rob us of our place in a story that's bigger than we could possibly imagine and truer than we could dare to hope. And third, this subjective approach to truth has a fatal flaw. It assumes the things we find within ourselves will always be good. A cursory understanding of human nature reveals this just is not true. The paradox is that when... She then goes on and explains the four things she wants to teach her daughters. and The paradox is that when you choose the long road of obedience, seeking his will above your own desires, you discover that in following him you find your true self. The thing is, is that we know what truth is not because there are so many truth claims all over our world, all over the globe, all over our televisions, all over our neighborhoods, all over our families, even in our own hearts. We see these truth claims that happen all the time. Uh, Eugene Peterson writes this. Go go to the next slide. Eugene Peterson writes this. Feelings are great liars. If Christians worshipped only when we felt like it, there would be precious little worship. Feelings are important in many areas but completely unreliable in matters of faith. Uh, I mean, the thing is is that if you're like me, you know there are Sundays where you just don't want to come to church, Right? I mean, I know, I, I, I talk to you. I know that there are people in church that are super excited to be here and then there's the rest of us that are barely here. We're, we, we come maybe because it's just out of routine or maybe we come, maybe we come because we know this to be true. I don't feel like coming, but I know I need to be reminded of the gospel again and again. I, I, don't, I don't really want to be here, but... I know that's where I need to be. I mean, that happens. And in fact, that's, that's me maybe most weeks. And so what do we do with this? So what do we do? Here's uh, four really tiny sentence fragments that I wrote this week, and maybe the words that I wrote this week that I'm most proud of. Use your mind, find the truth, love people, and hate lies. Uh, If you forget everything else I say this morning, maybe remember those four sentences. Use your mind, find the truth, love people, hate lies. Christian, use your mind. This is hard work. Paul wrote in uh, Romans 1.17, he wrote, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous, righteous shall live by faith. I just read that because we've all heard verses like that, and some of you may not have even heard what I just read. I'm going to read it one more time. Romans 1.17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, maybe some of you know what that means. But if you know what that means, it's not because you just heard that verse once and then you were like, oh, now I know what it means. Makes sense to me. No, it takes time to dig into scriptures. When Martin Luther was meditating on this verse, he wrote this, I beat inopportunately upon Paul at this place, most ardently desiring to know what St. Paul wanted. At last, by the mercy of God, Meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the words. There I began to understand the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous lived by a gift of God, namely by faith. Now, I just said something that is doctrinally true, but I hope you heard what Luther did was that he read the scriptures and he worked hard at it, he tried to understand what it meant. He didn't just read it and say, oh, that sounds good. Let me get on on with my day. No, he was like, I don't understand this. God, help me understand it. Reading Scripture, doing this Christian life, use your mind. It is hard work. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, take every thought captive to obey Christ. He didn't say take some thoughts or take the thoughts that I have while I'm listening to a sermon or take the thoughts that I have when I'm reading my Bible. No, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Joe Brown, when you're watching Loki and other great movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and even the ones that aren't that great, when you're watching those, take your thoughts captive. Think about it. How does this apply to gospel truths? How does this apply to my life? How does this not? How is this teaching lies? How is this teaching truths? Take every thought captive. That is hard work. Because I'm going to say something that irritated some people during the first service. Some truth, some truths, some really true things are dim. Let me explain that we don't know everything, right? Okay, I'm going to go a a little, this is going to get a little bit weird. Christian, you don't know everything. I don't know everything. Joel Beek says pride destroys truth. Augustine, when someone was asking Augustine, you know, one of the greatest Christian thinkers, one of the greatest human thinkers, when someone asked Augustine, what are the three, what is the most important thing to do for your Christian development? St. Augustine of Anselm, back in the 5th century, said three things, three things for the Christian development, for your spiritual development. The first one is, be humble, because you don't know everything. The second one is, be humble, because you don't know everything. And the third one is, say it with me, be humble, because you don't know everything. Some truths we just don't know. Right? We just don't know. We don't grasp everything that is true in the world. Um, my son has been getting really into math, and uh, I'm just going to say this even though it's going to embarrass him, but like, yes, yesterday he texted me something really cool where he um, wrote an integer sequence, and it got published on the Encyclopedia of Integer Sequences, and he sent me the link to it, and I thought, no idea what this is. Doesn't make sense to me. I guess it's about math, but it has more letters than numbers. So there is a famous mathematician who is a a crazy man, Kurt Godel. I actually didn't know how to pronounce that, but uh, math professor Jim Davis was in the first service, and afterwards he came up to me and was like, "You pronounce it this way, Godel, Kurt Godel." He's a German mathematician. He was a crazy man. He wrote. Um, in the vein of Saint Anselm, uh, Saint Anselm is a famous Christian thinker who created an ontological uh, proof of the existence of God. If you want to talk about that later, sure, you can come talk to me about it. Um, but Kurt Gödel wrote a 144 theorem proving the existence of God. In you know, in I'm sure it doesn't prove it to some people, but uh, he was a crazy man um, and was. Really exciting. I read a novel by Jane uh, Eleven, Jane A Madman Dreams of Turing Machines, and it's a, a novelization of a conversation between Kurt Gödel and uh, Turing, I uh, forget, um, Alan Turing, um, which is just a weird, crazy thing, but I'm not going to go into all that. But in it, in that book that Jane Eleven wrote, she was explaining some of Kurt Gödel's thoughts about truth. And he said this, Kurt Gödel, German mathematician, back in the, you know, 19th century. He said, for truth, look for it and you'll find it where he, God, said it is, just off center from where you're staring. There are faint stars in the night sky that you can see, but only if you look to the side of where they shine. They burn too weakly or too far away to be seen directly, even if you stare, But you can see them out of the corner of your eye because the cells on the periphery of your retina are more sensitive to light. Maybe truth is just like that. You can see it, but only out of the corner of your eye. There are some great truths that are like bright as the sun, and we can say, like C.S. Lewis, that by it, by Jesus, I can see everything else. I don't love the sun because I can see it. I love the sun because it shows me everything else. There are some great truths like that, but there are some truths that are true aspects of creation and of God that are simply beyond our capacity to understand, beyond what God has revealed to us. And this is the beauty of science. There are things that we don't know, uh, there was a, a, a Christian philosopher that told me once that if you, wanted, if you have to decide between Jesus and truth, go to truth because Jesus is already there. So I told you it was going to get a little weird, so I'm going to bring us back. So how does this bear in our lives today? I'll tell you how. It, 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 this has been a helpful categorization for me that there are truths that are blood truths that are written in blood. There are truths that are written in ink. And then there are truths that are written in pencil. Truth statements that are written in blood are essential. And you want to know which ones they are? The Word of God. The Word of God revealed to us from God using people written in blood. Can we change these truth statements? Can we change this? Absolutely not. We do at our own peril. Written in blood are the essential revealed will of God in his word. When you read the Bible, we do the hard work of trying to understand, trying to understand his revealed word. It's hard like we just talked about. But Christianity in these and in the scripture has been delivered to the church. It has been entrusted to the church. These Christians are those who believe this teaching, who know it, who have it, who stand in it, who are established in it. The Old Testament which reveals the Lord and Jesus, the Old Testament kind of like the the coloring book that reveals the entire picture and then the New Testament just fills in the color. It's the same picture. It's just more vivid and clear to us there are also some truths that are written in ink these are imp- important truth statements these are the things that are so important we're going to write them in ink joe what would be an ink truth statement in my world it would be the creed the historic creeds of the church these are things that are not they're not f- infallible i mean you know back in back in my day we had white out right and just that white out, I mean, you could see it was whited out, you can see there's some problems with it, or maybe you know you, other such things like that, but to to you can't really erase ink really easily, but these historic creeds of the church explain scripture uh, when When someone comes and asks me, what are the essential things I need to learn and need to understand to be a Christian? Well, it's written in Scripture. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your house. I mean, that is clear. Believe in the Lord Jesus. But someone says, well, Joe, I want to understand a little bit more. I might say, well, we have the Ten Commandments. That tells us a lot. The amount of conversations I have with people, the amount of counseling sessions I have with people that really come down to, Well, what do the Ten Commandments say? And I know that sounds weird, but it's true. Most of our lives, what do the Ten Commandments say? But not just the Ten Commandments, we also have the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is so foundational, so important. We have Peter's confession, Lord Jesus, you are the Christ, you are the Son of God. But we also have, what, the Apostles' Creed, right? The Apostles' Creed, written by the apostles in the early church. We have the Nicene Creed, which helps us understand who the Trinity is. We have the Chalcedonian Creed, which helps us understand the difference between the divine and the human in Christ. We have all the Reformation creeds that help us understand salvation. These are ink truths that are so important. But they may be wrong, but they're so important they help us understand things. And then lastly, we have the pencil truths, the peripheral truths, the things that we all have erasers for. But we're going to write them down anyway because it helps us understand things. So for West End Presbyterian Church, it would be like our mission statement, our vision statement, things like that, or or different, different statements that we might say about, okay, this is what we believe to be true or this is how we're going to live out the gospel in our lives. But for you personally, for me personally, they're the things that I find very important. They're the things that I say, my faith tells me I should speak to this issue. There are are brothers and sisters that say, my faith tells me I need to speak to racial reconciliation. That is what I need to speak to. I believe there are brothers and sisters that absolutely feel this is what they need to speak to because their faith tells them to. There are also other brothers and sisters that say, my faith tells me we need to stop talking about race so much. And I believe absolutely they are brothers and sisters that believe their faith tells them they need to do that. I don't begrudge them either of those camps to say they need to do that. There are many other things that we could think of that are true functional statements that maybe are true for your family. In my family, I believe that we should not watch R rated movies. Or in my family, I believe we shouldn't do whatever it is. Or in my family, we're going to pray at dinner every night. Or for me personally, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a quiet time every day. You know, these peripheral truths. The problem is, we make pencil truths into blood truths. We make blood truths into pencil truths. Too often, brothers and sisters I'm talking to say, yeah, we're going to talk about this issue, whatever it may be, fill in the blank. We're going to talk about this issue. It's so important. Oh, yeah, 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 this is true. This is, you know, important, you know, whatever. But this is really important. Guys, that's a pencil truth. We've got erasers. It, it, it may be really important to speak to, but let's be clear. This is, is a blood truth. The creeds, the things that help us understand, are ink truths. The way we live our Christian lives are pencil truths. So brothers and sisters, stop turning pencil truths into blood truths. Stop turning blood truths into pencil truths. And stop, stop thinking that other brothers and sisters have done that already. Give each other the benefit of the doubt. Amen? Uh, we need to find the truth. Use your mind, find the truth. We need to find the truth. Um, scripture defines what orthodoxy is, what is true, what we all believe, what Christians believe. It is adherence to the gospel, to the very person and work of Jesus Christ. The gospel must be more than affirming Christian doctrine as objective truth, lest we develop a new generation of what C.S. Lewis called men without chests or or men without hearts. It cannot simply be affirming another set of philosophical statements that one can hold, examine, incise, and dissect. It must be vivified. It must be made alive. It is, after all, the very power of God. We need to find what is true. And when we find that true gospel truth, we need to live in it, and we need to love people, and we need to hate lies. Because after all, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 tells us, love rejoices with the truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. You and I are sinners, and so some of us are like, I'm a truth person. I love telling the truth. Or I'm a grace person. I love just being gracious. We're We're all imperfect at that. And I I hope you understand that's good, like you should do that. Jesus was the only one that could love both with grace and truth. Um, But I I just, I think this is great. Francis Schaeffer said that if you are speaking truth without tears, it's not loving. If you're speaking truth to someone who doesn't want to hear it, and you're not crying about it, and you're not broken over it, you don't have tears in your eyes, maybe you need to check your heart. Are you just so excited to kill this person with truth instead of loving them with truth? It's worth asking the question. It's worth thinking about. Truth and love are not at odds. That is a false dichotomy. They don't uh, compromise They don't compromise we should not compromise either one. Sometimes it is a time to sit and listen. Sometimes it is a time to stand and speak. And wisdom is knowing the difference. So, Christian, what truths are you living by? Christian, what truths are you living by? Uh, Years ago, back when I was young and dumb, I went on a solo hike. So I am an Eagle Scout. Any other Scouts in the room? And one of the things about Scouting is we have a motto. Uh, What is the Boy Scout motto? Be prepared. On this hike, I did not do that. So uh, I was young and dumb. uh, Before cell phones, I wanted to go on a 17-mile circuit hike up four mountain peaks in the Adirondacks of New York. And one of those peaks was Mount Marcy, which is the highest peak in uh, the state of New York. And I went on this hike. I got up early in the morning to go so that I could be on the peak of Mount Marcy, which was like seven miles in, on the peak of Mount Marcy um, at sunrise. I planned it out. I planned and I prepared. And so I brought with me, one sandwich, one apple, and one bottle of water. Do you see a problem? I didn't. I thought I was prepared. I get to the peak of Mount Marcy. The sun rises. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And by 7 a.m., I had drank all my water. And so, I had to make a decision at that point to just turn around and hike back and get back to my car and survive, or keep going up the peaks all around for a total of 17 miles with no water. So, I chose the dumb one. And I hiked with no water. At one point, I've told this story to, uh, to some of the kids around here as well. At one point, I got to a point in the, on the hike where I, got, I went off the trail a bit, problem, and leaned up against a tree and just was like, I'm just gonna take a nap here. I was dehydrated and tired. And as my eyes were closing, I had a vision of Local man found dead next to a tree. So I stood up, got back to the trail, and just continued hiking. And I just put one foot in front of the other, one step in front of the other. And I was dehydrated, and I, I'm not kidding, I, it was really dumb and I was close to uh, hospitalization. Um, When I finally did, spoiler alert, I survived. (laughs) When I got back to the car, I drove to a store, and I drank two gallons of water. Can your body hold that? Yes, I know it can because I was done. But near the end of the path... If you know the beauty of the Adirondacks, and their they're newer mountains than our old maid, which is the Shenandoah, just geologically old mountains. But the Adirondacks are a bit newer, so they're taller and you have these sheer rock faces next to crystal clear mountain lakes. Oh, it's just gorgeous. And near the end of the hike, I remember coming to a clearing and just you know, it's just woods and trees, and I'm just looking down, step after another, dehydrated, near death. All alone, and I look up and I see this beautiful rock face, mountain clear uh, lake, and I looked at it and just looked away and just kept going. I could not envision the beauty of God's creation at that point because I just wanted to live. We are all on a walk in life. Like me on that walk in life, I was walking and I was trying to survive. We're all headed somewhere, and we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared. We must prepare ourselves for what is essentially and foundationally true in this world. And once you find it, you got to figure out where you're going. So believer, Christian, friend, non-Christian, anyone watching on the internet or anyone here right now, where are you going? Where are you going? The question is not, do you know the truth? The question is, are you living the truth? Hey, the demons know that Jesus is God, and they shudder. We can know the truth, but are you walking the truth? John wrote in his uh, first letter, by this we may know that we are in him Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Don't just sit there, walk it. Walk your faith. If you know what's true, live it out. It requires action, which is hard. It requires action accordance to the gospel, and it requires us to be changed. You see, this action is a lifestyle to be practiced. Uh, Spurgeon said this, said this Christian life is action in consistency, in consistency with the truth. So why don't we do it? Because it's stinking hard. It just is. The Christian life is not an easy life. If you think it's an easy life, you're not paying attention. If you are going to walk in a world in which thinks you are the enemy, that's hard. We need to walk in accordance with the gospels. The religious leaders honored him with their lips and denied him with their practice. The test of true discipleship to Christ is that we walk in and have our lives conformed to God's truth. We walk in the light. Um, Paul wrote in his letter to Timothy: Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me, in faith and love that you are in Christ Jesus. Walk, don't sit. I'm saying that metaphorically. Please don't stand up and walk out. So, how is the truth of the gospel changing you? What is it calling you to do? It calls you to be a disciple. Um, in the fall, uh, we're going to be doing, uh, starting up a new initiative on going deeper into the gospel, uh, right downstairs during the 9 a.m. hour. For those believers who want to go further into the gospel, we're going to go through a mentored discipleship program designed to take long-time believers through the many building blocks of the historic Christian faith and learn to apply it to our lives Monday to Saturday. We're going to be attempting to walk this faith in truth and love. Walk in consistency with the gospel. This mentored discipleship program is something we need to do if you want to walk in the gospel. Sometimes we think that the gospel is the milk and then learning new intricacies of Christian stuff is the meat. No! The gospel is the milk and the gospel is the meat of the Christian faith. We learn and immerse ourselves in what is true over and over and over again. Much of the walking to be seen in the world is a vain show. May our walking be, may, be one in which we are made more and more like Christ. Which brings us back to the testimony of Gaius. He, want, he testified to walking in faith. Do you want to be a better evangelist? Do you want to be a better um, apologist, a better Christian Bible study leader? If you want to be a, if your best evangelistic efforts are coming up with arguments about this or that, you're doing it wrong. Your best evangelistic efforts is living a holy life. And how do we get a holy life? through Jesus Christ, who loves his church enough that he gave himself up for us, that he might present us holy and blameless, without spot or wrinkle. A people walking in truth crown the head of Jesus. A people walking in truth crown the head of Jesus. And so, go to my last slide, May we end on this. We rejoice in the testimony of the gospel, so my question to you is, what is your testimony to the world? We find and rest in the truth of the gospel, so my question is to you, what truths are you living by? And lastly, we walk in accordance with the gospel, and my question to you is, where are you going? Brothers and sisters, God rejoices over his people. The Spirit grounds his people in what is true. Jesus walked to the cross for his people to make us holy and blameless. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness and we thank you that you are true. I pray that you help all those that can hear my voice know what is essentially true. For those that are confused, I pray that you put into their path, someone who can point them to the essential truths of the gospel. And I pray, Lord, that you make us people that don't deflect others from seeing the beauty of Christ, but may we be people who reflect the beauty of Christ. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, hear these words of institution that come from Matthew. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus. They did as they had directed them and prepared the Passover. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this, of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's confess our sins together. O oh Lord, Lord, our God, our God has brought his people out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and by, by Christ delivered us from, us from sin. sin.
1: You have been been faithful faithful to keep keep all the promises of your covenant.
0: covenant. But But we, O Lord, have been been a stiff-necked people who love unfaithfulness. unfaithfulness.
1: We We have have loved other gods before before you
0: and become their servants. servants. We have 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 not worshipped you in spirit spirit and in truth, truth. and so So we have mocked mocked your glory in heaven. heaven. We have used your name in vain, and profaned your reputation reputation on on earth. We have have desecrated your your Sabbath because because we we have not trusted you to give us rest. We have have not honored our fathers and and mothers, and so so we we have proved proved ourselves rebels. rebels. We We have hated hated our neighbors and murdered murdered them in our hearts. We have made adulterers adulterers of ourselves in the the lust of our eyes or in in the deeds of our our flesh. flesh we have stolen honor and wealth and privileges that are 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 not ours we have lied and falsely accused for we we love love gossip more than truth truth. we We have coveted coveted blessings you wisely and righteously gave to others O lord have have mercy on us for for we we have not kept your law On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it, just as I do now, ministering in his name, and he gave it to his disciples. The beauty of the sacrament of the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper, is that it is our refreshment on the journey. There are two sacraments. There's the sacrament of baptism, which is... God saying, go forth on your journey. You are my people. And then there's the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, which is God saying, you need help. You are not doing this alone. The Lord's table is a reminder that we don't go on solo hikes. The Lord's table is a reminder that we do not trailblaze on hikes. Everywhere we go has been trodden first by Jesus Christ. We go on this journey because years ago, Jesus went on a walk from the Sanhedrin up Golgotha to die on a cross. We walk because he walked first. We become holy because he makes us holy. The elements of communion does not have magic. It doesn't create in us something that is magical. No, it is the spiritual presence of Jesus Christ with his people. If you have made a profession of faith somewhere before a body of believers, you believe the essential truths of the gospel, you are welcome at this table. This table does not belong to West End Prez. Well, I guess these physical tables do. But the Lord's Supper doesn't belong to West End Pres. The Lord's Table does not belong to the Presbyterian Church. It doesn't even belong to the Protestant Church. The Lord's Table belongs to the Lord. And if you believe in the Lord, the essential truths of the gospel, you are invited to come. Uh, We have, just like in previous times, we have juice and gluten-free, wine and gluten-free. Both of those are in the double cup. Wine on top and a wafer in the cup below. When you come forward, you can get one. And then in the middle on each table is wheat flour, wafer, and juice in the little uh, pre-packaged container. All four tables are the same as the elders come forward. Let me remind you that you can come by yourself when, as you feel led, or you can come uh, as a representative of your family and you can get the elements and bring them back. Uh, to the table. And then lastly, let me remind you that uh, once you get the elements while we're singing the song, take it back and we will take it all together at the end of the song.